We live in a world that uh, it's easy to be worried. It's easy to be really worried. And in Philippians chapter 4, we're going to learn something. This is probably the best message, I think the best lesson, I should say, uh, from the book of Philippians, from the study of Philippians, because um, it, it teaches us how to overcome anxiety. And in a world we live in, there are a lot of reasons to be very, very anxious. For example, I got an a email, a couple of emails uh, about a pastor in India and his wife and two teenage daughters who this week were beaten severely um, to the point of being bedridden, at least the, the pastor was. They were also uh, forcibly taken from their home. They were given fines for being Christian. And if they don't come up with that money, they will lose their home. And uh, so um, that's Anatha, Lalitha, and their two teenage daughters. So they've got reasons to be very, very anxious and concerned and worried. Uh, you all know what happened in Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, in a church service, in a prayer service. So um, there are reasons for uh, being very concerned about the times we live in. also got an email about one of my high school and grade school buddies who took his own life this week and uh, um, searched my, my heart to see if I had <clears throat> shared the gospel with him and hopefully have and uh, don't recall, but I hope so. There are a lot of reasons. People are overwhelmed by anxiety. And, and coincidentally, there were two things I read in my, uh, this morning also. <clears throat> Here was uh, something from, there, there's a website called Get Old. I don't know. Go figure. Get Old. You know, the alternative is not real good. Get Old. And it says uh, here, how to get away from anxiety. It says, hug a puppy. That's one way. Uh, hug a puppy. And I thought to myself, what if you're afraid of dogs? What if you have an allergy not to peanuts but to dog dander? Uh, what if the responsibility of taking care of a puppy freaks you out? What if it wets on you? You know, I mean, that could be pretty stressful for a lot of people. Uh, it said, secondly, tap into your playlist. I just got to ask, Pat, do you have a playlist? I don't think she has a playlist. I've never heard her play her playlist if she does. So what happens if you don't have a playlist? Or what happens if your playlist is a little weird? Because some of you listen to weird music, and I know that. So uh, the, the, for anxiety, hug a puppy, tap into your playlist. The other one is move. Are you kidding me? The word makes me nervous and anxious, you know, just to move, uh, the thought of moving. I suppose I mean move around, but I mean just the word kind of causes me a little grief. And then the other one is take deep breaths. And I thought, what if you have COPD? It's hard to take deep breaths if you do. Uh, and, and these are, I guess, the secular way of overcoming it. But I want you to know there's a much better way than what the world has to offer to overcome anxiety. And I want you to know that pastors actually do have anxieties and, and have things that can cause us to be uh, uptight and a little nervous and a little worried about things. So, uh, so I, I don't speak theoretically. I speak from practical experience, and I hope that we'll get a lot out of this. So let's pray before we get into Philippians chapter 4. Our Father, I pray that you would help me to center and to focus on exactly what you want me to share with your people here today. Lord, I know there are a lot of reasons for anxiety. I know there are a lot of people who are worried about a variety of things, worried about finances, worried about physical health, worried about their future, worried about their family, uh, worried about maybe some here have anxiety attacks, and those are no fun at all. And I pray, God, that you would give us today what we need from your word to overcome these things, and we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. So what is worry? The, the English word worry comes from uh, an Anglo-Saxon word that means to strangle, to strangle. 
That's the English word. But, of course, the Bible, the New Testament was not written in English. It was written in primarily Greek and some Aramaic. And so when you go back to the, uh, to the, to the terms here, first of all, the, the word careful in the King James Version doesn't mean to be careful like proceed with caution. It means to be filled with cares, careful, filled with cares. So be, care, be filled with cares about nothing. Don't be overwhelmed with all the concerns, the worries, and the cares. And, it, and in the Greek, it means to be literally to be torn apart. To be anxious means to be torn apart, fragmented. So worry comes when the thoughts of our mind and the feelings in our heart pull uh, in different directions and literally tear us apart. Now, the mind thinks about problems and the feelings weigh down our heart, creating a very a vicious circle that wrecks our emotional state. And our minds tell us we shouldn't fret, but sometimes we can't, we can't help it, we say, because our hearts are filled with anxiety. So we have to break the cycle of worry before we can really enjoy peace. So what leads to worry? Let me tell you, it's, it's easy. It really is. Wrong thinking and wrong attitudes toward people, circumstances, and, and actions leads to worry. Now, in this chapter, chapter 4, Paul has no worry about people. He'll tell us in verses 1 through 5. He has no worry about his circumstances in verses 10 through 13, even though I remind you he was in jail. And he has no worry about material needs of this life, verses 14 through 19. And, and of course, Paul is a very mature Christian here. At this point, he, is, uh, he has the singleness of mind that's talked about in chapter 1, focusing on Christ. He has the submissive mind, let the mind uh, be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He has a spiritual mind of triumphing over material things in chapter 3. So it was natural for him to have a secure mind. And I want to challenge you, if, if you are prone to worry, if you are prone to anxiety, if you have anxiety attacks, if you are nervous about the future, that, and I, I want to challenge you to read Philippians chapter 4, three times a day for one month, and I promise you it will make a positive difference. I promise you it will. I know that it will. But let's read, first of all, God's fourfold remedy for worry, beginning with Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, and the first point here is God's presence. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you, and I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. I love that. You are my joy, he says, and the crown that I receive for my work. Now I appeal to Yodia and Syntathy, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Folks, let me tell you something. Warped relationships, bad relationships rob you of peace and put in the place worry. So as much as possible with everything that lies in you, live at peace with all men. The Bible tells us that in another place. And so settle your disagreements. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. So look at this. In verse 1, he says, stay true in this particular translation, or in the King James, stand fast. Stand fast. That's a military term. It's a, it's a soldier or a sailor standing watch. It's someone who's at their place at their appointed time doing what they're supposed to be doing. And he says to us as, as children of God, he says specifically to these people in Philippi, stand true or stand fast. Stand at your post. Verse 2, he says, settle your disagreements. In other words, be of the same mind. Be in harmony. 
be in peace. Husbands and wives, you've got to be in harmony. Uh, with your family, family members as much as possible, you've got to be in harmony. With other church members, you've got to be in harmony. Harmony and unity, not identity. We're not all the same. We're all different. We all have different gifts and different attributes. But we're to be the one in unity of purpose and, and, and seeking God's will together. So settle disagreements, put those aside, be of the same mind. Verse 3, help these women. And, and literally what he's saying, these, these companions, these fellow yoke people. Uh, you know what a yoke is? Not the yellow part of an egg. A yoke is that instrument that you put on the backs of burdens of beasts that unite them in a, in a concentrated effort to pull a plow or to pull a wagon, or, or whatever it is that they're doing, drag something. So the yoke is put up on their shoulders, and, and, and they can do much more than one of them could do, uh, and even more than they could do with just two of them uh, when there's, there's this synergy that happens when you put them together. So he says, help these women, uh, their companions, their fellow yoke workers, yoke women, and, and so make sure that we help them. In verse 4 he says, always be full of joy, and it's a command. Always be full of joy. Well, preacher, how can you always be full of joy? Well, I don't know um, that this is a comprehensive answer, but in, in, in Psalm 119, I was reading today, it starts out in verse 1, Blessed or happy are those who are undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed or happy are those who keep his testimonies and that seek him with their whole heart. So there's a blessedness to walking in God's paths. There is a, a, a turmoil in doing our own thing. When we walk with God and walk in the commands of God, a, a, a byproduct, we may, I don't know what, you know, we may have a lot of reasons why we're doing it, but when we keep the laws of God, keep the word of God, when we read his word and make it part of our lives, we are, we are blessed. We are happy. I, 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 you know, I find myself more and more when people say, how you doing? I say, I am blessed. I'm just, I'm just blessed, you know, over much. I, I can't believe. we were driving here, got an 805. And, uh, and so we didn't get very far and all the lanes were blocked. Every single lane was blocked and almost stopped. And so I'm looking at my watch. I'm thinking I'm preaching on anxiety today. I need to get to church, but it's okay. God knows what he's doing. And I was having a little pep talk with myself. Uh, but you know what? When we got up to what had happened, there was one car that had caught on fire, had been hit. There was another car that had front end damage. So obviously someone hit someone, car caught on fire. I'm thinking somebody's having a bad day. And we were saying, my, Pat said, you know, we are so blessed. We're so blessed. We could have been in that, you see. It could be you. It could be us who were, who were in a serious car accident today, but we weren't. And it could be us who have, uh, I got a, a word, a, 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 a SEAL friend of mine who, uh, his retired SEAL, uh, who just got word he's got cancer. He's going to have to have surgery on July the 1st. It could be us. And it may be someday. I'm not saying that won't ever happen to us. We don't know what's going to happen. But blessed are you when you walk in God's ways. It is a blessing to know that God is sovereign and absolutely in control no matter how out of control this life may seem. No matter how arbitrary this life may seem. God is absolutely in control. Always be full of joy. Don't be a sourpuss. 
Don't be worrisome. Don't be down on everything. Be, then verse 5, be considerate, which means a mildness, a patience, a kindness, a moderation, a meekness, a, a gentleness uh, toward the faults of others. Be, be forgiving of other people. And how can we do all that? Preacher, how can we do all that in the days in which we live? Because he winds up, verse 5, with these words, the Lord is coming soon. Jesus Christ is coming back again soon. Just as he left, he's coming back one of these days, so be ready. Don't be all down in the dumps. Don't be depressed. Don't be discouraged. Don't be uh, robbed of your joy. Don't be anxious and filled with worries because God's presence is with us. I mean, he literally lives within you if you are a born-again child of God. He lives within your temple. But then there's God's peace also. So what else do we have for secure mind? God, God's presence. Then we have God's peace. And how do we get God's peace? First of all, verses 6 and 7 is right praying. Don't worry about anything. Now, that's really easy to say. Don't worry about anything. See how it rolls off my tongue? Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Pastor, do you ever worry about anything? Never mind. <laughs> yes, I do. But I have to tell myself, don't worry about anything. Instead, what? Instead of worry, pray about everything. So whatever it is that's consuming us and starting to get us to, to be anxious and worrisome, begin praying about that. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Sometimes we come to God and we're like spoiled children. We want more, we want more, we want more. We want God's answers, we want God's blessings, and we have forgotten to thank him for the ones that he's already given to us. Verse 7 says, then you will experience, listen to this, God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe the Word of God is the absolute, inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of Almighty God. I don't believe any of them are arbitrary. I don't believe that any of them are, are just kind of casually thrown in by someone who copied it at some point. I believe it is God's Word. And, and it says here, the, the, the promise that He gives is you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. If we what? Don't worry and instead pray and be thankful. If we do those things, we will have God's peace. His peace will guard, listen to this, your hearts and your minds, which is your whole inner person, your hearts and your mind, your mind, will, emotion, all that. It will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And again, when it says his peace will guard, again, that's another military term, uh, his, it will guard your hearts and your minds. And uh, this has been called God's psychiatry. There's a in fact, a book written by Charles Allen, uh, a wonderful book. If you have any problems with anxieties, I totally recommend you get that book, God's Psychiatry. It's amazing. And it focuses on four different passages of Scripture and why those four different passages of Scripture answer all of our worries and fears. But anyhow, this is God's Psychiatry. Philippians chapter 4 is one of those. And the King James says, be anxious for nothing. You know why? Worry is really, bottom line, a lack of faith. If I worry about something, I'm afraid God can't take care of it. I got to do something about it because God can't. How foolish is that? How silly is that? But that's what worry is, in essence. We either believe that God is in absolute control. We either believe that or we don't. We believe that all things are going to work together for his glory uh, and for the good to those who are called according to his purpose, or we don't. So be anxious for nothing means... Stop worrying. Now, what are some things? What are some things that we worry about? What are some things? Money. Huh? Money. 
Yeah, one, yeah, money. Okay, here's what God would say to that. Stop. What are some things we worry? I worry about, you know, what's going to happen when you get, you know, someday when I get really old. God says, stop. What are some things you worry about? What are some, what are some other things? Your kid's salvation. Absolutely. Don't stop. <laughs> don't stop being concerned about that, obviously. But don't worry about it. But pray about it and be thankful to God and keep putting the seed, keep planting the seed, keep watering the seed. Absolutely. <laughs> There's this thing. How many know Bob Newhart? How many know who that is? There's this thing. You ought to go online sometime and find it where he's a counselor. He's a psychiatrist. And this lady comes in and she talks about her fear. And he said, well, what's your fear? He says, well, I'm afraid of being buried alive in a box. And, and Bob Newhart, as only Bob Newhart can, takes this thing. You got to, I don't want to ruin it for you, but it's incredible. It's just unreal. So that's your homework assignment. Not real spiritual, but I promise you'll laugh a lot. So well, what I'm saying is whatever you find that makes you worry, stop worrying about it. Pray about it. Absolutely. Be concerned about it enough to pray about it. Be thankful to God for the, all the times he's got you through similar circumstances and for the fact that he'll get you through this one. And uh, not only be thankful, uh, but also then just, just trust him uh, for, for everything that he's done, everything that he will do, and you will have the peace of God. Pray about it, be thankful, and turn it over to him. You'll have God's peace. You know what my buddy didn't have? God's peace. You know why he took his life? He didn't have God's peace. Right praying will help you with that. Verse 8, right thinking. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing Paul says. He's getting ready to close out his letter. He says, fix your thoughts on what? Fix your thoughts on things that are true. So if it's a lie, don't, don't dwell on it. Things that are honorable, things that are right, things that are pure. This world focuses on the impure. Getting ready to watch some TV last night, <coughs> and some program was on. I can't remember what it was. And it was just vile. It was just absolutely vile, uh, some kind of a preview for something that was coming on. Don't think about impure things. It's going to cause you worry and grief and anxiety and problems. Think about things that are lovely. Think about things that are admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Think on these things. My refrigerator has a uh, filter, and, and that filter is supposed to, um, to collect up all kinds of heavy metals and chlorine and sediment and a host of other things that are not good to drink. Well, here in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, is a filter for your brain. And, and filter all your thoughts through that. They must be true. They must be pure. They must be honorable. They must be right. They must be lovely. They must be admirable. And if they are not, if they don't measure up, if they don't pass through that filter, then do not dwell on them. Do not let them preoccupy, overwhelm those negative thoughts with the positive thoughts from the Word of God by praying and by being grateful and thankful to Almighty God and trusting Him to work out what needs to be worked out. So if they don't pass the filter test, forget about it. Just forget about it. So there's right praying, there's right thinking, and then verse 9, right living. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. That's a lot of stuff. Are you kidding, Paul? That's a lot of stuff. Everything we've seen you do, everything we've heard you teach, everything, we're supposed to do all that. And, but listen, here's the payback. The God of peace will be with you. That's even better than the peace of God. The God of peace will be with you. 
And he promises both the, the peace of God and the God of peace by right praying, right thinking, right living. That will be, the, again, the byproduct of it, and God will go with you. You'll have that peace that will let you pillow your head at night, even when you're going through a crisis, whether it be financial, whether it be with your kids, whether it be with your job, whether it be whatever it is, you'll be able to sleep trusting God. So God's presence, God's peace. Number three, God's power. Verse 10, how I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. Paul says, I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need. (laughs) What? Not that I was ever in need. Can you say that? I've never been in need. Here's Paul in jail. Not that I've never been, not that I've ever been in need. Why? The key to that is I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Oh, my goodness. We as Americans need to learn this, to be content with what we have. Do you know, you guys and and gals in the military know this because you go to foreign countries and you know that there are people who live in the dumps of a lot of countries because that's all they have is what comes in the dump and they make do with what comes in at the dump. The throwaway stuff in third world countries is how they live. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And then that famous verse. You you all know the next verse, but did you know it was tied into these verses? For I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I can do it all through Christ. which I can't, but Christ through me can. I'm the conduit of Christ flowing through me. And it's all tied to learning how to be content with whatever we have. It's good when others help us out. I love it when people help us out. I, I love it when people want to do something nice for it. But it's, it's infinitely better when we learn to be content with what God gives us in whatever state. Pat and I, Pat and I started out, you know, last week uh, we celebrated our 46th wedding anniversary. We're still on our honeymoon and uh, going to keep it that way. But uh, we started out, we had a set of Oneida stainless steel forks and knives that we got from the SNH Green Store. Stamp store. How many know what an SNH green stamp store is? What's the matter with all you people here? Is this a great gulf fixed between, you know, what a bunch of hands over here, one or two over here? SNH green stamps. When you, for you for you kids, like you know, 30 and below, for you kids, when you would buy stuff in some of the grocery stores, so on, you'd get green stamps and you save them, you'd, you'd lick them and put them in books, and they tasted nasty. And you would still, and you, when you'd fill these books up, it'd take however many books. And Pat's grandmother gave us however many books it was. And we went to the SNH Redemption Center. There's a sermon there somewhere. Redemption Center. And uh, we, we, and we got the, the single rose. Is it the single rose pattern? Lasting rose pattern. We still got them. Yeah. So we, we, and we had, we had Melmac dishes. How many know? What Melmac is, my guess is, everybody over here, nobody over here. <laughs> Melmac was indestructible. They, uh, they would, you know, demonstrate, they would advertise by throwing them on the floor and they wouldn't break, which to me was always a little counterproductive. You're telling your wife she can throw dishes at you and they won't break, uh, but I don't know. Anyhow, Melmac dishes and a couple of pieces of furniture, and we were living in our first year of marriage. We, we lived in a little tiny house, probably less than 1,000 square feet, with three-fourths of a bath. Huh? Two-thirds. I was exaggerating. 
two-thirds of a bath. And you have to figure out which third wasn't there. But anyhow, two-thirds of a bath. And we were happy, happy, happy. Really. We were absolutely happy. She made $1.65 an hour in an elevator, J.C. Penney's. I earned $2.05 in a hospital working in the psychiatric ward. I was working in the psychiatric ward. They gave me plastic keys. I was working in the psychiatric ward, and, and we paid our own bills, and we attended college full-time, and I worked 40 hours a week, and we knew how to live with almost nothing, and we know how to live with a lot more than we really need. And I really believe with all my heart that if we had to go back to that little house with two-thirds of a bath, that we would still be happy. Because our happiness is not built on the stuff that we have. Our happiness is built on a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's the foundation of our life. He's the foundation of our marriage. I got so many, I got so many weird idiosyncrasies that we could never have stayed in love this long if, if it were up to me. It's up to God, and he is the foundation of our relationship and our home. Contentment is a lot easier, maybe with a little, than it is with having a whole lot. Maybe it's harder to be content when people have a whole lot. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. You can do everything through Christ which, uh, preacher, I can't, I can't get over. Yes, you can. Hey, how many have an actual little, literal physical dictionary at home? I mean, I don't mean on your computer or your iPhone. How many have a real dictionary at home? You need to go home and you need to look up the word can't. And you need to take a razor blade and cut it out and throw it away. My mom, my mom's from Kentucky. She said, can't never did nothing. That's bad English, but it's great theology. Can't never did nothing. So just get rid of it. Get it out of your dictionary. If you can go out of your computer and delete the word, then delete it because, because you can do whatever God wants you to do. He is our strength. We are weak, but he is strong. Last point, God's provision. Um, let me just hurry through this. Verses 14 through 23, even so, you've done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Even though I'm, I've learned how to be content, I can do without, I can do with. It, but you, I thank you for what you've done. As you know, you Philippian, Philippians were the only ones who gave me a financial help when I first brought you the good news and traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want to give from you. Rather... I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. He's in jail, folks. You think he's getting real top-notch food in jail? You think he's got all of his physical needs met in jail? You think he doesn't need a doctor maybe sometimes or maybe some warmer clothes in jail? He says, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent with Epaphroditus. They are sweet-smelling sacrifice and acceptable and pleasing to God. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory, is the way the King James Version says it and the way I memorized it years ago. All. He will supply all of our needs. He didn't say he'll supply all of our wants. He did say he will supply all of our needs. And then he gives greetings to God's people. Now, look, they were commended for being generous. They were to be rewarded. Paul was generously supplied. Their generosity was a sacrifice, like a holy sacrifice unto God, and God would supply all their needs. Let me tell you something. 
If you can live in a Roman jail, if you can suffer the things the Apostle Paul suffered through, and, and a whole litany of things in, I think it was 2 Corinthians, where he talks about the being shipwrecked and being uh, stranded and being stoned to death and being, uh, I mean, just the whole list of things that happened to him. If you can be happy going through all that, if you can be content going through all that, if you can realize with sincerity that God is in all that and God's presence is there and God's power is there and, and, and God's, uh, God's going to take care of you, he's going to meet all your needs and, and his power will be displayed and his provision will be ample. If you can believe all that, why would you worry? The peace of God that passes all understanding can be ours and the God of peace can be with us. Young folks here, younger folks, younger adults, don't get overwhelmed by this crazy world because I really think your world is going to be a lot tougher than my world was growing up. I really think that. I think there may be like this Indian pastor here that I mentioned in prayer. I think there may be some persecution that will come because of your faith in Christ. There may be some real economic turmoil that happens. There may be another Great Depression. I don't You know what? Whatever happens... God is God. And unless God dies or unless God moves, his children don't have to worry. And if you're his child, you can have the peace of God and the God of peace. That'll keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Would you bow your heads just for a moment? Let me ask you a question. Will you be very honest with me? I won't embarrass you. Let me ask you this question. How many of you say, Preacher, you know what? There are some things that can cause me anxiety. There are some things that really can cause me to worry. I'm going to be honest about it. Uh, Raise your hand up real high. Hold it up real high. God bless you folks. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands down. I want to ask you something else. I don't want you to raise your hand unless you're going to try it. Would you? Would you give it a a shot? Would you read Philippians chapter 4 three times a day, sometime in the morning, sometime in the middle of the day, sometime at night, maybe just before you go to bed, would you read Philippians chapter 4 three times a day for a month? Would you, would you attempt to do that? And I, I don't want to be legalistic about it. You say, well, preacher, what if I miss one time? or one? I'm not worried about that. I, I, what I'm trying to say is when we focus on the provision and the blessings and the promises of God, the words of God are powerful. They are alive. They transform. They change. How many will say, preacher, as best I can remember, as best I'm prompted to, I'm going to read Philippians chapter 4, three times a day for one month. Would you put your hands up? Hold them up real high. God bless you, folks. Father, you see the hands. You know the hearts. Lord, you know the need of everybody in this building right now. Father, I pray for, and I do, I empathize with people who are anxious, and I know there are a variety of reasons why people can be anxious, and I'm not saying I wouldn't be in their situation because I'm just as vulnerable and just as fallible as anybody else is. We can be overwhelmed by circumstances. We can be overwhelmed by people. But Father, I pray today we'd be overwhelmed by your joy. That we'd learn contentment. That we'd trust your word. we trust that you are bigger than any situation in our life. You're bigger than any problem that we face. You're bigger than any enemy. God, I pray that you'd help us to lay it all before you. And say, if I live... Praise your name. If I die, may I die to the glory of God. 
May my life, my death, whatever, serve your purpose, God. And I'm going to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?